0: That's the whole fucking point is that we don't got time. right? Chaco is fueling his birds, and why do you think he's doing that, huh? Why? Because you don't put a
1: condom on unless you're going to
0: fuck.
2: Absolute perfection there. Absolute perfection. 10 to 10. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of OK Roundtable. Do I hear myself out of thought? I better not. <laughs> you better have your headset on. No, I, um, I clap too. Okay. Was but it's just to... really hard to hear
3: because <laughs> NVIDIA RTX voice is just that good. It's,
2: it is that good. Like, unless, unless you're a cricket that we learned very recently. Um, oh. Yeah, uh, someone else in, in, in another Discord has a cricket problem. And so like every time they talk and their mic, mic opens up, all you hear, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> Uh, But anyway, welcome to another episode of OK Roundtable. We're going to talk about Crimson Tide today. I am joined today by Mort. I can point in the right direction. And today, cameraless but still with a bit of a voice, is fun. Hello. Uh, Yeah, so I'm subjecting uh, everybody to my Tony Scott uh, obsession, which started again when I was five, by having Top Gun be my favorite movie. And uh Crimson Tide, of course, like uh Tony Scott collaborated with Denzel Washington, I think the most out of uh, any of the big actors that um he's worked with.
1: Oh, yeah. Just looking at this list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just
2: look at Tony Scott films and you're like, oh, oh, yeah, that is like Man on Fire. Yeah. No. Unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, deja vu. Yeah. Like, holy crap. This guy worked with Denzel Washington a lot. He worked with him. <laughs> in this movie crimson tide and said you i want to work with a lot like you are nailing it
1: to be fair denzel fucking yields it that the acting in this is superb like all all around i don't think anybody doesn't do a great job but denzel and hackman specifically are just putting on a fucking class for us it's
2: this this movie okay so so to to get out of the way uh like out of 10 what, what, what do you thought what do you think of this movie
1: uh 2 no uh 9 easy
2: easy 9 all right fought uh 7 7 okay that's respectable like i'm 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 kind of like you know 8.5 to 9 you know range for me cuz i think that something about it's military dramas
1: but it's really close uh it's really close i i think the first act takes a little while to get going but once we're actually in the conflict on the boat like ah, man, it, it just starts going, and you were just wrapped from that point on. I, I, at least I was. I couldn't do anything else but just sit there and watch. It was great. I mean, if there's anything
2: that Tony Scott can do, it's it's compel you with a bit of thriller and some drama. Uh, what's up, Zellius? Yeah, we're talking about Crimson Tide. I don't know if you remember that movie. Great movie with Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington. Uh, the movie really, like, kicks off because
0: it it's like... When did this movie come out? Ninety-one? Um, it, 95. It's, Ninety-five.
2: Ninety-five. Okay, so it kind of kicks off with, uh, like, this is just a few years out of the Cold War. So, like, the, the USSR has collapsed, so there's a lot of tension still there about, like, what could happen, uh, like, in the 90s. But, like, overall, everyone's pretty chill, but the threat of nuclear war is still, you know, there. So it's easy tension. That you can just use to wrap up. They're like, oh damn, uh, rebels have defected in Russia and they've taken over nukes. Like immediately, boom, stakes. Like you know what the stakes are in this movie, potential nuclear war, and it's like, oh, and and there's something that about Tony Scott that like he just says, yes, we're gonna have drama here, and this is the tension, and it's the reason why, <laughs> it's the reason why when he re- he basically remade Top Gun. In his film Days of Thunder, because Days of Thunder, yeah, 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 yeah. Days of Thunder was Top Gun with NASCAR vehicles. Yes, yes. and like the I'll stakes are not as high because it's fucking NASCAR. It's not oh, term. it's not uh, fucking war. Like it's not potential war starting. It's like the tension's not there.
1: This is a really good job of weaving together a bunch of different specific war concepts that are all really kind of terrifying on their own. Uh, I think submarine movies in general are fantastic because there's some sort of primal fear that we have of being in a small contained area in a place where if it is exposed, you'll die. Whether that be a submarine or space or whatever the case may be, there's something primal about knowing that there's just a thin wall of metal separating you and in instant death.
2: There's, there's, a, there's a great way that, uh, if, if I want to talk about the camera work. Like besides some of the cool shots where they had to make they they angled it correctly to make sure like when they're diving when they're going up like, when they're turning, like everyone is like there's a bit of a there's motion in the camera that kind of works with it. It levels out. It'll do Dutch angles at the right angle to make sure that you know that things are off kilter. But what what is interesting in the way that uh, this movie uses extras is to show how many people it takes to run everything. Like you need a ton of people and a ton of personnel doing little things and they 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 show the the military uh like redundancy of everyone repeating orders, making sure that things are like, you know, carried out in a certain way. But it, it adds to that um that fear when everyone when everyone's like, oh God. But your your, your section is this section. Like you're focused on this one thing who's controlling the ship again, not your job. That's not what you're focused on. Like they were like, they're down here doing this. And like, it really kind of, you know, uh, sells you, on when things were uh, getting foobar, the the actual fear behind it, it's actually really cool. But you want to talk about music and that really perked my interest. I, I did.
1: Um, you know, this is Hans Zimmer, obviously. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, as you're listening to this, I don't know about you, but it kind of felt familiar to me. I don't know if it did or not to you. Uh, he did win a Grammy for his work on Crimson Tide. Right. But if you listen to the main theme, which is, you know, appropriately titled Rural Tide, it's <laughs> a Pirates of the Caribbean song. Like, he clearly was like, damn, I really hit it out of the park last time I did a boat song. Let me just kind of throw some fiddle on And we'll just call it Pirates, because, you know, same thing. Seriously, go, go listen to He's a Pirate. If you're listening to us right now, don't yet, I guess. But listen to the song He's a Pirate from the Pirates of the Caribbean, and then listen to Roll Tide and just tell me that it wasn't kind of, you know, maybe a little lazy.
0: I mean... Which is uh, fair. He's done so many movies. That's
2: interesting. I should, I should definitely listen to that. Like, I, w- I want to play it right now, but then, you know, that's the potential for copyright. Um... I wait. I didn't even know
3: Hans Zimmer's did Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Did
0: he? Yeah. Oh
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh, the and Hans Zimmer was actually kind of. Uh, um, it, it's it's interesting because it's definitely trying to ape off of Gladiator,
0: which I think was also interesting. Like it's trying to ape off the way that. Uh, let's see yeah. what oh yeah he did barbecue very nice uh but yeah it, it just has that vibe of like gladiator so like
2: let's have big epic sounds and dun dun, da, dun, dun 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 dun
0: but yeah um i don't know with this movie yeah. uh it, it's it's I'll
2: do. i guess to go over the over the 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 plot of the movie right so a, a rebel a rebel group in Russia has defected, which was about sixty thousand men, an entire battalion defected against uh, the Russian government. They hijacked a submarine base that had four subs, and they hijacked a nuclear site that had like twenty-five nukes or something, like ten, like something, something, some number of nukes. Know. And so the the the. This submarine called the, the Alabama, Alabama, uh, is Riff-ass
1: Alabama
2: is deployed in order to position itself for a potential, uh, preemptive strike. If it is shown that the nukes are starting to, are about to get fired. So the tension hits because they get an emergency action message to say, fire the nukes. And everyone's like, oh, shit. And then they, get, uh, uh, they start finding a, a rebel sub. And as, as they're getting another uh, emergency action message. But the message gets cut off partway through. And now they have no idea what's happening. And the last orders they were given was to fire off nukes. Then their communication gets cut off. And it's like, did we get the message? So now the, the central conflict is what was
1: the the second message, because it's definitely about this. It starts off saying, uh, "You know, nuclear action or whatever." It, it was obviously a continuation or a retraction. Yeah, order. There's only two options. It's either stop or or, or even change right, change now.
2: targets. Like it could be changed uh, coordinates for the so. yeah. But, oh.
1: but generally speaking, it's one of two general options based off what we're in, informed of so far.
2: Like that was no, that was one of the things that Denzel said. He's like, what did they change the target package? Like, what do they change like where we're where we're hitting? Like it that could be it. It could be uh fire as is, change your change your target, or don't fire at all. Like, like we don't know. So right. we gotta wait for that. And that's exactly where the entire tension of the movie like uh uh sets off is, is a disagreement of uh what to do next. And It's weird how much a movie that that really jams pack as much naval procedure into it as possible. And, like, I wonder if that was maybe a slight criticism of the way that they did Top Gun. Because I know that, like, with Top Gun, they opted... Tony Scott opted to do a... a sports movie style, you know... A filming of the movie, like you want that's why they have a locker room scene. They're like, I have these hot looking dudes, of course, I'm gonna have them with their shirts off. Like, these are young, sexy it's actors. It's a sports
1: movie beat for beat, I'm, it's a I'm sports to Like, they even yeah, say, win. What, what happens after the first?
2: They play volleyball, yeah, oh, yeah, they also play beach volleyball, and it's hot and it's sexy. It's hot, volleyball. The thing though, because the thing that is kind of funny is like, uh, after the first like flyby, like, it's the first mission. They quote-unquote win, but they go below the hard deck, whatever the fuck. But they do a flyby of the tower and then get in trouble. And then that same night, at least what it seems like, because they don't indicate any passing of time, and he's just kind of like, I don't know, man. I got a family to think about. I just hope we graduate. And I'm just all like, why do you say it like that? That's 100% from sports movies. Like, <laughs> It's like the high school quarterback being like, Oh man, I shouldn't have done that. It was really dangerous for the running back. Man, I just hope we can graduate, man. Like we're just, we're rebels.
1: <laughs> so I, I have I have a different theory, maybe on what that's about the procedure doing. stuff. Yeah, okay. I, I think it might be partially like a, a tongue in cheek, or at least like a drawing attention to it kind of way.
0: Okay. Um,
1: because it is a, a slight problem. It's something that's had. I mean, we we have. Come very close to mutually assured destruction a couple of times. I mean, like, that close. And it's just one person being like, shuffled off that saved us from all ending up in a real life version of this. So, obviously, that's kind of what it's playing off of.
0: Surely it directly mentions the missile Missile Crisis. But, like, (sighs) lost it. Lost your train of thought there?
1: Yep, I did. Okay, well... Tell me, tell me what I was saying. You said yeah, it's on purpose to do the redundancy thing? Yeah, so uh, my understanding about how this movie came about is that they, the, the producers or whatever, like the executives, did a, a ride-along with the Florida. And they were talking with the Navy because they had this idea to do, like, war games on a boat kind of thing where a, a computer decides to start launching missiles, and that's what they have to fight against, is, you know, the, the computer starting World War Three. Oh, I, was, was I, was like, think, I
2: was thinking about like the Kelsey Grammar war games, and I was all like, that's another <laughs> sub-movie,
1: right? Like... <laughs> not
0: that
1: one. Uh, but, but, like, that, that's apparently what it was, and the Navy was like, that can't happen. Like, you see how many redundancies are here? Like, it takes 20 dudes all saying the same shit 15 times just for us to get the keys to do this thing. And so, like, I think they put it in there, maybe verbatim or maybe not, I don't know. They, they were apparently able to, like, witness the actual procedures. I'm sure they witnessed it seems, some drills. It seems yeah. kind of tongue-in-cheek about that. Like, yeah, it takes twenty guys to do it, but it still just takes one fucking crazy dude to make this shit all go wild. I mean,
2: well, I, I wonder because again, that was one of the things that uh, they did a lot of research on. Like, it wasn't until Kubrick and Vanilla Sky that Top Gun had the most expensive shot in a movie ever because uh, he wanted the sun's angle to be a certain way because, like, they because they were on a real aircraft carrier, right? And so he wanted the sun to look a certain way in a certain camera shot. So he basically paid, like, so many thousands upon thousands of dollars for the fuel to turn the aircraft carrier a certain way so he can get the angle he wanted, and then for them to turn back. Like, that's how expensive that shot was. It held the record for the most expensive shot in cinema. Uh, And I'm wondering if, like, they spent a lot of time with sub-people to say, like, Hey, what would be a realistic scenario where shit would go wrong? It's like, like okay, well, this would have to go out. This would have to go out. Like, and this would have to go out. Like, here are the th- here are the ways that things would have to go wrong in order for it to make uh to make it believable.
1: Because it's kind yeah, of it's, they did it.
2: like with again with Top Gun. One of the things, like, okay, how do you? What do we do to add you know drama and stakes? Like again, spoiler alert. When Goose dies, like one of the things that they were saying, I know. But one of the things they were saying was how do we get, how do we get someone to, to probably die from that? And they're like, Oh, a flat spin. And like then the stunt guy showed them what a flat spin was and then died doing it. Like, and it, they were just kind of like, ah, well, I guess that's the way to do it then. I guess if you are going to get someone to die, there you go.
1: My, my boss who's a former Navy pilot has talked about flat spins before and it's not a fun conversation it doesn't
2: seem like a ton of fun and like i think that movie is the reason why anytime that i hear um like distressed aircraft audio like i immediately get like 10 out of 10 emotion in an emotional state do not like do not like like where he's just all like punch us out eject eject you know it's just like it's just panic and like that's it like all the training is out the window it's just panic and it's like yeah. Damn. You
1: have to We do it. saw it together. Oh my yeah. god. Oh it's got my the god hot boys and just jeans and no shirt playing volleyball. Come on. Come on. Oh my god. Yeah,
3: Even I've seen it.
1: You, you, you saw it. we all saw it together. It I subjected together. it to all of you. It's true. Playing with <laughs> um, the boys. The the difference though is that Top Gun was made with cooperation from the US military and Crimson Tide was not. Uh,
0: was it not?
1: No, once they came back with the mutiny concept, the Navy was like, no, fuck off. Uh, Here's the coolest story about this whole fucking movie. I love the story. Mm -hmm. So they didn't get permission to go aboard or do anything. And they needed footage of a submarine, you know, for their submarine movie. So they went and researched whether it was legal or not to film naval ships, which it turns out, thanks to the First Amendment, it is perfectly legal to film naval ships as long as they're in open waters. So they went to a naval base and set up cameras and got boats and helicopters ready and chased after the first sub that left so they could film it. And it Shut just had to be the Shut USS up. Alabama.
2: Shut up! It, that's, that's amazing. Amazing. There you go. That is amazing! That is amazing!
1: Good job. Uh, yeah. It just Providence that way. But yeah, they, they, were, they were not okay with the plot line, so they did not cooperate.
2: That makes a lot of sense, especially because, like... It's one of those things like how how would something happen? Oh, like this? Like okay, so what if you make a movie where that happens? And they're like, no, <laughs> like no, we can't have we can't have a literal mutiny in a in a new it makes us look incompetent.
1: Yeah, that's not gonna work. It's not gonna work for us. Yeah,
2: but I, I mean that it. that's where I think it has the the idea that it's trying to be. Uh, I guess again, once again, we are talking about an old movie with spoilers. Anyway, one of the things that, um, one of the things that I think the film tries to do, I don't know if it does it. Well, I think you can, you can tell me if you think it did it well or not. Uh, one of the things it does, it tries to leave like an ambiguous, both sides were right. Kind of thing where it's like, cause yes. the, the, the right answer is you go with orders on hand, but like the XO In is also right
1: One case where you know you were getting orders but have not received them fully, then there is a bit of a gray area. It's just enough for there to be a conflict. I actually think they do a really good job of making both sides a perspective you can at least understand. There's, lo- there's,
2: a, there's a logic through line between both of them. It's yes. like Neither hey, one of them is
1: truly wrong, neither one is truly right. They both we- have good
2: points, and they need to work together. We were given orders to fire nukes. That's sh- and they, they said You know how many fucking checks and balances we get to even tr- like get to that point. Like this is... he confirmed it, and then it's like yes, but we could have gotten the orders, and we don't know. And like yep. his his plea to weps, I think was one of, is one of those great moments in the film. Because again, this is also one of those movies where you're like, holy crap! There's a lot of actors that are like that were like. Who are like who? Nobody's kind of people. Bro. Brian Philippe for like two frames. <laughs>
1: He's on screen for three fucking mm-hmm. seconds. And but you have like, Viggo Mortensen, and you're just Viggo like Mortensen's in there. Like, Steve okay. Zahn's in there briefly.
2: It's so uh, weird. James Gandolfini. James Gandolfini. Uh, Game pre pre um
1: Sopranos, right? Like a young just, Gandolfini just comes across to me as a Favreau. Like it's basically the same kind of character. He, oh, I hate uh, hey, James Gandolfini's character. <laughs> I hate from the get go.
2: Complete. Like, I just hate that motherfucker.
1: Yeah. Like especially. Since I, do, the- I do think it's funny that they're talking about uh, submarine movies. So that that has to be a Quentin Tarantino edition as well.
2: Yeah. If you if you if you tell me that it's kind of like, okay. So you have the the Silver Surfer uh, conversation. You have the movie conversation. Um, the one that's definitely not a Tarantino section was the um, the philosophical part. They were like, well, what do you think the enemy is? The enemy is war itself. Like, yeah. it's like, ooh. But again, it's one of those things where it's a great... That sounds like some lefty pinko communist
1: bullshit. Oh, what are you, communist? You think we shouldn't have dropped the bombs on Japan? <laughs> Actually, Genovini, I mean, yeah. don't think we should have dropped the bombs on Japan. i take It wasn't necessary. It was just kind of a way of showing off so that we could win the war before Russia did. Great. It, it was,
2: yeah it was a way to stave off russia from taking over japan yeah like great like great. cool you did it you you, you wanted a gigantic show of force but like sh- whatever but i i think i think that it was a um an interesting little moment in the film where they they talk about the like, di- the difference between the old guard and like what new like, they they sent denzel's character to harvard to sit there like uh they want, to, they want you to know why Like they just taught me to push the button. They're training right. you to know why, like, and that adds an extra layer of responsibility and, and morality behind sending nukes. Like that's kind of yeah. uh, a whole different mindset. And I think of things like Vietnam, like right. Like the, I can't imagine now using napalm, for example, but like Vietnam was all about it and they just did not give a shit. They just, whatever, Fucking yeah. burn it down. And then now it's kind of like, how about we don't do that? Maybe. Possibly. Maybe if not. we can, if we can help it. Yeah. But it's yeah. just, it, there's a lot of questions that they get asked in the movie. Uh, Cause like his answer, his, his response to webs uh, really explained it. He's was like, if you fire that now we're flying, we're firing blind and crippled. There are other ships. Cause again, They're all about redundancy. The Alabama can't be the only one there ready to fire nukes. So like, one would assume that there's another, there's got to be other people out there. So like their ship is just not equipped to be the ones to do it. Period. They're blind and crippled. You you are not at full capacity. Like you have no communications. Like, but yes, you have the previous orders, but
0: like maybe you shouldn't. And then, of course, uh, Gene Hackman. Brilliant.
2: Absolutely brilliant performance. Holy shit. Like, the first time right before uh, uh, the EXO uh, release of Command, where he's like, I've made a decision. I want you to
1: shut the fuck up.
2: And I was just like, oh, damn, Hackman.
1: Oh, Hackman. Snaps. Just snaps. I, again, those two actors specifically, Denzel yeah. just, I mean, going toe to toe, this whole movie, it's incredible. It's incredible. Like, again, especially yeah, since they, they, they
2: give them, they give them a proper, a logical through line behind their actions. Yes. Like the entire time you're like, either side could be right. And like the fact that like, again, at the end when they're sitting there and he goes, you have three minutes, like, and they're fixing the radio, you have three minutes he's like i hope you're right and it's like if i'm wrong I think, i'm wrong god help us all because that means we're at war and i'm like yeah, I, oh
1: I, and i think that little a- acquiescence by by the captain to, okay fine i'll give you three minutes you got the you got the thing going we'll, we'll we'll make it happen i i think that's actually a really subtle take on it that not a lot of directors would have done it's really easy to just make the bad guy cartoonishly bad. It could have ended like I'm gonna point out Star Trek. Alright, I'm gonna go on am I'm gonna go on a weird and
2: a weird okay. semi-Mike Mike Classic Star okay. Trek okay. rant. Alright? I'm here so, for it. So Star Trek has a lot of very tense and very, very uh uh dramatic and action-packed scenes that don't have anything to do with like punching and fighting and ah! like they the tension is coming from like you're waiting on a ticking clock and like so and, again you think about that uh, uh the one episode where they get taken prisoner the, the dramatic scene is them walking from one place to the other from uh, uh ten forward into uh, I think one of the docking bays. Like, that's the tense scene. They're not fighting. It's not action. They're not fighting. Aim. Poop, 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 the way that they do in fucking uh, Star Trek Nemesis. Like, what happens? Riker just fights a fucking alien in a hallway for some fucking reason. It's like, that's not tension and action the same way. Like, that's not action the way that Star Trek is intended to be fucking action-packed. Like, it's not fucking Star Wars. It's not that kind of action. So in this movie, you're right. A lesser director would have been like, let's have them have a fucking all out fist fight until the message shows up. Like they're, they're, they're fighting. No, they sit there quietly and they have a conversation and their tension is like, will the radio get fixed in time? And if it does, what does the message say? Who's right? Which side comes out like in, in the most correct light possible. And they sit there and talk about fucking horses. Like it's such a like tense moment where they're not, it's not action man punching other action man. Like it's sitting there just two people who think that they are fucking right and need to be listened to
0: taking the time to sit there and be like, let's see who's right. Let's see who's right. And they're like, those Lepern
2: stallions, like you seen them, they're 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 all white <laughs> from Portugal, and he's like they're from they're Spain. All white. <laughs> they're born black.
1: Actually, they're <laughs> black when they start. Uh <laughs> like okay, Th- Finleyville racial metaphor there. Got it. Got it. That. Got it. Because uh, it's the Alabama. Okay, oh, okay. I get it. Right, so I
2: wasn't just... the only one who
1: felt like that.
2: No, it's definitely... No, it's definitely... definitely, Okay. (laughs) Yeah, he was all like, they're all white. But I think it was an interesting thing where he was like, uh, you can get a horse to do whatever the fuck you want with stuff enough electricity up their ass. And I'm just like, and that's his philosophy on how he treats his crew.
1: That is the military's philosophy. If you just beat people long enough, they will eventually do what you want.
2: But again, that was one of the... uh, uh, One of the good moments is after that fight breaks out of the Silver Surfer fight is denzel's character goes up to the captain and is like hey uh i just witnessed a fight like it's no big deal like it's taken care of but like i think that people are on edge because like they just got told that it's possible the nukes are are imminent right they they haven't been told their feeling yet but th- that it's possible and be on the extreme ready and he's like i think they're on edge and then he fucking just like says like get you, you
1: like, get get your ass in gear, motherfuckers! Like, <laughs> war is if, imminent! If you're not feeling good, go ahead and hop off the boat. Uh, yeah, there, there's definitely a changing of the guard kind of storyline in there, too, with, you know, the old hard-nose leaving for the younger, actually being a little bit more intuitive with how they try Nuanced. to
0: people. Um, yeah, there's definitely that part of it, too. Um, I, again, the the final scene
1: too of them, not hating each other, not combative, just acknowledging like, oh shit, we uh, we uh, came out ahead on this one. Luckily, we came out ahead. We, like you know, I, we we made it through this one okay.
2: Oddly enough, I, I I I still think that the ending scene is a very interesting way to end the movie. The ending
1: scene almost seems like a rewrite to me.
2: Well, no, no, because no, I think, because I think that there's a definitely the the hearing part, right, where yeah. it's weird we don't hear what he said or anything, but like it ends in a recommendation to get him uh, his own command. Uh, but then it also ends where it's just kind of like you were both right, but you were both like you both did it in the like the worst possible way
1: because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you guys didn't
2: talk to each other.
1: Wrong in your approach of trying to be
2: right. Like it was a mutiny and it was a breakdown in the system. We're gonna be talking about Ultim- this forever.
1: Ultimately, you both wanted to follow orders. The problem I mean, is that in the breakdown of that happening, y'all pointed guns.
3: Yeah,
1: like like when you had the keys to the nuke. Yeah, like
3: the the captain was like, "I'm gonna shoot this guy if you don't like launch the <laughs> nuke if you don't open the fucking like, locker." Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, so uh, okay. good thing he didn't speed. shoot him.
1: Yeah. Maybe, maybe you should be relieved of command if you're threatening to kill innocent bystanders to try and force other innocent bystanders to force to a nuke launch. Like yeah, you... just to force a nuclear holocaust, as he kept saying. He
2: does. That, that... He, he doesn't say holocaust. He says holocaust. holocaust. hi
1: holocaust. was that how it was pronounced in '95? I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just in '95? Oh, hang on, hang on, hang
1: on. <laughs> hang on. There is a
0: holocaust.
1: Is there another way to pronounce
0: it? Holocaust. Holocaust. Yeah, I'm sure
1: Holocaust is fine. It's just kind of abrupt. Like I've never
0: heard anybody pronounce it that way. I mean I I've, I've heard it, but I, I've never heard anyone say Holocaust. I've always been I Holocaust. Have, but Holocaust.
3: But it's it's usually in like a mocking manner.
0: Uh, who the fuck
1: mocks with the word Holocaust? God damn. Uh, plenty of politicians from my neck of the woods. True. Alabama. If, if you,
3: I don't know, like if you search in like the deepest parts of the internet too,
1: it's very bad. I avoid <laughs> those parts from the
0: internet. Alabama.
1: Have we talked about that? Roll tide. Can we have... talk about the fact that I've actually been on the USS Alabama? Nice. Oh, no. Not this one, though. The battleship USS Alabama. Uh, it's out of service. Is it a, a museum? Membership. Yeah. Dude,
2: so was the Lexington. Uh, and, like, that's, again, I'm from Corpus, so, like, the Lexington's parked here yeah, yeah, in the bay, right? And so you just kind of... We would go, because, like, the it was called the Blue Ghost, because, like, it got shot down and kept coming back. <laughs> like, and, and the reason why is they get kept on fucking, like, patching it up and then sending it back out. Like, you're like, fucking bubble gum and cardboard, whatever the fuck, we'll close this hole, let's fucking go. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, like it's, a, it's, it's cool. Those, mus- those museum ships are so fucking cool. I want, uh, next time I go to San Diego, I kind of want to go to the Midway. I think that's what the one is was. was there.
1: Sub- we, I was supposed to fake propose to my wife on the Midway. That was... Yeah, that's how it was supposed to go down. We, my company was having their convention in San Diego, and we were doing a, a party thing at Sunset on the Midway, and that was going to be the thing, because we were going to. Pretend that's what we were getting engaged, having already been married for, like, five months. I mean, if, that's it get, how I it, do if
2: it gets you the gifts and the, and the congratulations, I See, would do See, that's it.
1: what I want, is the fucking gifts. <laughs> like, Here's my registry, <laughs> motherfuckers.
0: <laughs> we're we're
1: going to do it up right if we can ever get out of this fucking pandemic, because I do want the gifts. I have a pretty well-stocked kitchen, but, man, I need some more shit. Like, let's not, let's not front.
0: It's it's but it's kind of um,
2: interesting because like I I would love to traverse the ship because I think that they had to have shot in a inside either they created that set or they had to shoot in a um, in a battleship and just like because it it's the same design uh, of the hallways and the way that they um everything's it laid could out. have
1: been filmed on the museum ship too.
2: Right, that, that's my only thought, right? is that they, I they actually thought it, it was
1: really interesting. They, they the, the cinematography on this, rather than using the cramped space to try and shove a camera in sometimes, it does the, like, through the crawl space or through the stairs or whatever look. Oh, through the grate on the floor? Or yeah, like that? I think that's such a cool way of making it feel like it's cramped while also giving lots of depth to the shot. It doesn't feel like we're super cramped, but you still definitely get the impression that, oh, there's not a lot of room on this thing.
2: Well, cause I remember, uh, uh, in the climax where, uh, Denzel, the XO is going to take back over the, uh, the control room. He's literally on a level above them and sees them like leave and then post guards. He's like, Oh, then we gotta use the crawl space. And they use the clock space to get out and then take over the ship, take the missile. I, I was like, Oh, like that's a clever use of like space. Cause like they are layered on top of each other. Like you aren't looking necessarily like up. Like, you're looking at someone coming straight at you. like It's kind of, again, Tony Scott is just brilliant when it comes to this kind of thing. Maybe not exactly Days of Thunder, but again, we, I, I that's just the movie where I'm like, I've seen this already way too much. It's just Top Gun with cars. Like, why is this happening? <laughs> uh, I, I think that it's an interesting movie for, um, a war movie, because you're because because of the way that it ends, the climax not being this this ultra action action pack like it's just tension gets ratcheted up, and then like the release the 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 release is it's an unconditional surrender. Do not fire. Do not fire, and that's it. Like it's not. It doesn't end in like uh, uh, oh the sub battle happened. Like that was the middle action that that almost cripples the ship completely. But it's not the climax. Like that that would be the climax of a cheaper, shittier movie. Sure. Where we have to get
1: the nukes out, but we gotta take out the sub first. Bang bang yee-haw, motherfucker. <laughs> I mean we made five years prior to this hunt for an October. Does kind of end on a dramatic sub-to-sub sub combat thing. Which, which again, just to, just to throw this out there. There's only ever been one sub-to-sub warfare incident ever. It's not a thing that happens. It's really hard to sink a submarine with a submarine. Not a thing you can just, like, easily do. Uh, so, like, it just doesn't happen much. And for the reasons they show in the movie,
2: yeah. where, like, you go into ultrasound, like, you detect someone else, you go into ultra silent, you move slow, and then, like, eventually you guys just pass each other. Literally, yeah. like... Oh shit. There's another person They're both go, go silent, blah, blah, And they just go and you go and you go until you put enough distance between you and the other person that you're just kind of like, you can re- maybe reach, um, communication depth and report, Hey, submarines spotted in this general area. And that's it. That's, that's, that's the best you're going to do is you're going to report the general area of where you last saw a potential enemy sub. There is no like, ah we're fighting we're dogfighting underwater. Ah no, you get
1: <laughs> you get planes in with, with depth charges or you get a ship in with depth charges, but like you don't take down submarines with a submarine. They're not built for that. Like in theory there are anti-submarine subs out there, but
0: like it just doesn't happen in the real world. It's it's not it's not practical. Like subs are
2: are Scary preemptive strike machines. They are espionage machines, but they are not they're, they're like submarine hunters. Yeah, they are yeah, not that's submarine what's really hunters. What's
1: scary about them is that they could just pop up anywhere and rain devastation. But they can't take out another sub very easily.
2: Yeah, like it's it's one of those things where if if they wanted to, it's kind of one of those things where they they're that's why it's scary to be like they could be off the coast. But that's why you always have people like you know you have naval patrols out uh, on the coast or this or that with sonar and yada, yada, yada. You do your best to try to stop that, but you're not like, oh man, a submarine's fighting another submarine. Watch out. (laughs) Like, no, it's just, it's probably, it's probably not a, uh, a thing to really worry about too much. Right. But again, that wasn't the climax, like a, a different movie would definitely have that be the climax. Uh, we have to get the message out, but well, we got to stop this sub. Like, the sub was its own problem. That they had to take care of. And in the middle of that was a tension of, of the relieving of the captain. It's like, and that, that's what triggers the next set of problems. The sub's gone, but now it's like, we still don't have communications. Oh
0: shit. Like it's such a good movie in terms of, um, like having the,
2: those small twists and turns because you think that Webs wouldn't go with it at first, right? You think that he's going to be like, no, of course not. But then he like he's like, fine. Yeah, you're
0: devastated by him giving it. like, really, dude? This is your friend. Like, your family's hanging out. Right. The beginning the big. Be- the
1: opening scene is their family's hanging out at a birthday party for for the kid, for Denzel Washington's kid. And again, I think that is kind of a slow start, but I think it's Worth having. Uh, also, I forgot to mention this before, but I love when old war movies start with like a whole like history lesson on what's going on. Like it's a whole newsreel or something. Like I just love being given that much context in a movie. It's kind of like the Star Wars opening crawl. Like, see what's going on before we get here? I, I would like to know. Uh, yeah, and I like that. Um, I, I mean, uh, speaking of scenes, scenes that I like, right?
2: The, the addressing of the crew before entering. I think is interesting because it, it it shows like a cohesiveness of like what the sub has to be. And and it kind of, uh, is a, is, is a, what, what is it? Foreshadowing for the breakdown of the cohesiveness. Like where he's all like, Mr. Cobb, like, do you know the name of this ship? Yes, sir. Like, what is it? Sir, Alabama, sir. Like, why is it named that? Like, for the proud people of Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> Those are damn fine people, damn fine, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and he was all like, uh, "They're like Alabama, roll tide, and the entire crew, roll tide, roll tide." Yeah, it's it's, yeah. but there's there's it shows like group cohesiveness. And then it's just like, whenever things right. are getting real, it's like the fight over the silver, over bullshit silver server comics. And then it's like, there's clearly a beginning of the breakdown of the mesh of, of the internal unit. It,
1: it seems almost like maybe the mesh isn't as strong as the captain thinks because you're, you're led to believe at first that the previous XO is just not there. He's had a or whatever. But then when you actually get him on the ship with the other regs, he, they start talking like he's just burning through exos. Like, oh, right. what happened in the last one? Oh, they called it appendicitis. Like, it seems like he's just going through them as quickly as he can, and probably because of this very same conflict. It's probably just that it's never been about something quite as big. Nobody's really stood up to him before. But in this one instance, it's a, it's a place where the exo does what the XO is supposed to do. It's supposed to be that checks and balance. Y- you... <laughs> You need to have more than one person deciding to nuke somebody. You just do.
2: Well, I, th- I think that that, that scene post briefing room I think was really great because like he's introducing himself to all the the other chiefs, and he was he said uh, uh, he takes that dog everywhere with him. It's like yeah, uh, and they let him get away with it too, uh, probably because he's the only skipper who's ever seen combat, and it's all it like does seem to be that like oh yeah he did this in eighty nine this and they. That- Oh, and then like what was it, eight or nine XOs uh, uh, in '95 or '94, whatever the fuck, or whatever they said. Like, yeah, what was the last one? What did he say? Appendicitis. Like, clearly they yeah. think it's bullshit too.
0: Right.
2: Like they think the, the entire excuse about, about why there's a new XO is bullshit. But it's kind of an interesting um, look because he he says he says one thing. He goes, "I don't want kiss asses. I don't want." You know yes men around me i want to, if you have a disagreement with me i'm fine with that like take it to me in private but like and if privacy doesn't exist bite your fucking tongue which like okay i understand especially in the heat of battle heat of the moment like you got to you gotta you gotta show a little bit of restraint but it was it was interesting that as soon as there was that pushback of like proper procedure he told him to shut the fuck up. So, like, clearly he's being a fucking hypocrite. He does want a yes, man. He does want someone to just sit there and kiss his ass and, and to <laughs> give him what he know? wants. I think in, in, in the moment, yes. In the moment, of course he does.
1: Because, like... Cause he- there's definitely a, a reading from this that's him being not just grateful, but truly glad that his Exo stood up to him and that he didn't allow him to actually follow through with it. Obviously, it's the wrong answer. Launching nukes in that moment is the wrong answer. We do know that unequivocally from the end of the movie. And I think having gotten to that point, I think to some degree, he's very grateful that somebody stood up. I, I in, in my reading of it, well, I always at what that point he, is he grateful though? After I've the fact that after he, being proven wrong? As soon as it's it's known that they don't need to launch the nukes. He's immediately. Yes. No, no, no. Yes. There. I'm talking about the first time so he disagrees. I, I know. And, and I don't know. I don't know about that word or not, but my reading of it is that he's actually grateful for somebody who stands up to him, even though it's not what he wants as a person. And so my reading of that scene is that he doesn't mean that he really does want somebody to stand up to. him. He just wants it to be worthwhile. And I, I think this is the kind of the example of what he would say is the kind of place where somebody does need to stand up. You know what I mean? Like, at no other point would you ever question me, except in case we're about to nuke a country that we're semi-friendly with, and they're not going to nuke us back otherwise. Like, that's the time you really do need to stand up and say, Captain, sorry, no. Uh, never any other time, though. Just just this time. I, no, because, like I said, it
2: was the, again, when he stands up to him, like, again, he gets a little annoyed Whenever he's upset about the missile drill, and so he pulls him aside and talks to him, he's like, "Hey, so like, what, what, what are your thoughts? you think that I'm just a fucking cowboy going yeehaw?" And he's like, "No, but like, I wouldn't have done that." And they like, "Well, yeah, I get that you wouldn't have, but like, here's the reason why I would do it because like, your shit's not going to be perfect. Shit could have, she could pop off at any time. Like, so yeah, get it done. So there's a bit of understanding. It's like I'm not doing it for no reason." Like, I'm not doing it to be cruel, i was doing it to make sure that people understand that in a confusing time you still got to be ready. And, and like, I really
1: do understand running a drill in a confusing time. It's callous while somebody's dying to run the drill. He didn't know someone was dying. Yet. I, I know, he stopped it immediately yeah. once he knew somebody was dying. Like That's what leads me to believe that he had good intentions there. Well, it right. really was and, just and that's trying why, to that's test why I like the, at a time when it was chaotic.
2: It's why I like the moral ambiguity of this movie, where it, it has this kind of like, both of them are technically right but like i think that at that moment whenever he stands up to him and be like hey sir i think we need to reconfirm this message like he tells him to shut the fuck up and then tries to replace him and that's where the entire conflict of of, of orders and um chain of command and all that stuff kind of breaks down is Cobb knows that what the captain was doing was improper and and and, and, and out of line so of course yeah put him away because what you did was wrong like, I don't, ag- I don't like you, you motherfucker, but you're right. Like in, in, by the book, like by the book, you were right. And it's kind of like, there it is. Cause like, but at the same time, what is the complaint between, uh, Zimitz and like, all the rest of them is by the book, you follow the orders in hand. Like without, without new, uh, contravening orders, you follow the orders in hand. Like, I understand that too. But, like, I really feel like he wanted to kiss ass at that moment. Like, he got proven wrong in the end. And I think at that moment, he was like, oh, shit, I'm wrong. Like, and it was like, and what did he say? Uh, He has the con, and he leaves. He gives them control of the ship and just fucking leaves. And, like, there is a moment of gratefulness and this and that, but it was clear that, like, the old ways of just fuck it push the button just wasn't gonna wasn't gonna cut it. Like and it it kind of again just leaves that that last part where it's like he doesn't admit that he was wrong because he still believes what he did was right and I think that's what adds this cool ending to it where he was like uh, you were right and he was like is that so sir and he's just like. They are from they are from Spain. <laughs> like those horses are from Spain. And I'm like, "Oh, oh Gene okay. Hackman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hackman, is so good. <laughs> you fucking got me again." So good. <laughs> so like so this is based off of a specific instance of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Okay. And yeah, I, I, I maybe that's part of what my reading is on this, but uh in that instance A Russian sub in the Caribbean was being attacked by American forces and did not have contact with Moscow. So rather than try and wait to see if they should launch an all-out nuclear attack on the United States, they decided amongst themselves. And typically on Russian or Soviet subs at this point, captain and political officer have to agree. That's the XO equivalent. If they both agree, nukes launch. In this one case, there was a third person on board who had to be consulted because he happened to be the admiral of the entire like, fleet, even though he was second in command on the boat, because that's how things work, I guess.
0: Well, it, that makes too. sense. That makes and sense.
1: That, that ha- like- he refused. Hmm. And because Vasily Arkhipov refused, we are all still here. Um, and what's interesting is that that particular uh, uh, Soviet officer was also on board the K-19 as we all know at the Widowmaker during the potential nuclear meltdown. And you just have to wonder, like, if anybody other than somebody who's seen the the raw devastation of what nuclear power can do up front is in that position, we legitimately might not be here. Mad may have happened that day. Like, there's almost a more interesting movie here to tell about the real
0: stories that happened, because there's a direct line from one to the other. But, yeah, I mean... I think this reveals
1: part of the problem with that type of setup, too, is that, yeah, that all works fine as long as the captain's willing to hear no and then stand down. And unfortunately, in this case, the captain wasn't willing to stand down and, and acquiesce to the no. And because of how people are and because of how we form relationships, people wanted to believe him because he's the captain. It's more than just the role itself. They wanted to believe him. And on the other side, we have officers that don't agree with our XO, but are doing what he's saying because he's followed the proper procedure. Like, there's a lot of, of intricacy in the story, but it boils down to that chain of command isn't good. It's not a good option for us. And they directly mention in the, the closing crawl that, you know, that's not how nuclear launches are authorized anymore. No, no boat captain can launch one on his own. And despite the president we've had recently being just as insane as this particular boat captain, if not worse, I still think it's better to have somebody slightly higher up in this unit of command required to be the one that can authorize it. I think it's harder to get to that point than it is to get to that point with a boat captain.
2: Right. Cause like, and it's kind of a, uh, like it, it, it and what says it pretty clearly uh, where he's like, I'd rather go down then get this one wrong like this order isn't just like hey
1: bigger than the individual people on this boat yeah
2: launching nukes as a decision is bigger than anything else like we're launching nukes towards a another country the decision should be weighed heavily. And again, that's why, again, I love the the Officer Mess scene where they talk about dropping nukes. Like, what does that Web said it? What does it say about us as we're the only ones who ever dropped nukes in another country? That makes us a prime that's target. A good question. It's like, huh, I wonder what that does make us. Like, I want, that makes us the people that did it. That's it. It, it. Really, at the end of the day, it makes us the people that did it.
1: It, it reminds me of, of The Dark Knight Crisis, where talking about how, okay, you put on a mask, they put on a mask. You put on bulletproof armor, they buy armor-piercing rounds. Like, it is an escalation. And we escalated. We as a country escalated warfare to a point it had never been taken to. Devastation on a level that's not even comprehensible in most people's minds. We, 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 we did put a target on our backs. That's what you do. If you carry around a big stick like that,
0: then actually fucking use it. We should not have dropped a bomb. At me. I mean, yeah, and that, that that's a, it's, it's one of those things that's been debated like
2: up and down where like, should we have done it? It's kind of like, well, with everything that came out, a lot of things that got declassified. It's kind of like, at the end of the day, we didn't need to, like, we really didn't. And even if we, even if we did drop one, we didn't need to drop the second. Like, that's the part that also kind of like blows my mind. Like we dropped one, like that could have been it. But they decided to drop a second the next day as well. And it's like that seems that seems like you were wanting to more than was necessary anyway. It seems
1: like you didn't really give them
2: time to even surrender to they... process what the fuck just happened to them. Like how do you process that? Like it would be absolutely I, mean, I don't know, it's just it's 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 a thing where it creates the tension in the movie very well. Because they're setting up the, like how, how dangerous the use of nukes are, what, what it means to be there to first strike. Because, again, that's what they were saying, is that we're there to first strike.
1: So, like, us it, launching... It coalesces the entire conflict of what the Cold War was into, you know, a two-hour movie. I mean, it, it does a pretty good job of that. Obviously, there's a lot of nukes there, but, like, that's kind of the thought, is that both sides are sitting there thinking, if we don't act first, they are. And that's what mutually assured destruction is. It's that knowledge that, oh, we've got to do something now or they're going to do it to us first. It's also why I love Wargames
2: Climax, where he goes all like, he's all like, don't you think that they know that you're going to drop, that you're going to fire your nukes?" Well, yes, then don't. Like, they know that you're willing to do it. That's all you need. Right. Like, so if you don't, then they won't. Right. And that's it. Like the part of part of mad is that, Hey, we've done it before. We'll do it again. Like, you know, this, so you shouldn't the only do that. Way
1: to win is not to play the game
2: again. And it's just, ah, oh, war games are so good too.
1: Oh, war games is so good. good, movie. A really good movie. <laughs> yeah.
2: You're not wrong. About- like. <laughs> Like I don't even care that it feels like it. they're like there's like the, the climax just the movie just ends and rolls credits like it just the movie cuts off like I've made my point I'm out like it's like that movie always makes me laugh because I feel like there should be another scene like a really? uh, what what do they call they it could have wrapped up what is it a detente like a, an end like to, to wrap it, like things up yeah is that what it is yeah.
1: I, I don't know if that's the word or not, but I know what you're saying I've heard that description of it, but.
0: Yeah. Uh, detente, the easing of hostility or strained relations,
2: especially between countries a serious effort at detente at the Eastern Bloc yeah so like in the movie it's the releasing of tension like it's like that's where everything's released and then like you have like a, a nice little breather to to let it soak in but this movie is just kind of like would you like to play a game or how about a nice game of chess and then like everyone's like yay and then like everyone's celebrating and then credits roll
1: and it's just like it needed the the the, Mod check? Uh, the It needed the scene that we got in this movie at the panel, where it's like, "Right, you both are you both are fuck ups. Like you have fucked me. I am fucked now because of you guys. Fuck both of you. You get out of here. You go on a boat and get away from. Me. Like you retire. You
2: need to learn your fucking lesson about like how things are done.
1: See, some my reading of this too is that Hackman's character does request to retire and recommends uh, uh, Denzel for, for the Captain role. That is my reading of that.
2: Uh, right. No, no. Except, I, I got that, too. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, me too. I, I really do feel like Hackman is actually truly glad that he picked this one time to stand up. I, I, again, I, I could just be reading this myself. No, but I, I, I agree with you after the EAM comes through. But but I think even as he's setting up for that, when he's telling him like you don't you don't fucking talk back to me, I think part of that is the setup for you better make this worthwhile. There's gonna be a time when you need to actually stand up to me in front of the men and actually make a fuss. And no, he said
2: if the, if there, if uh, you if you have a disagreement, you say it in private, and if privacy doesn't permit, bite your fucking tongue and just repeat my commands.
1: I, I know. Like, but again, but, it, but it my, my a, reading of that is that it's. I it's, think
2: I think that's where he does have that shift after he's proven wrong. That like, because again, the whole thing could have been because, like, what launch depth? Like, even if they were fighting the the sub, launch depth was one five zero. Communication depth was still seventy eight. Like, whatever the fuck your your reasoning of whatever it was, it was before the the uh, attack had left them completely crippled. So, like, they could have, in all honesty. As quickly as possible, risen to to radio depth, gotten, gotten the message through. Because if they're going to go to one five zero anyway, go a little bit higher, hit seventy eight, get the message in. But that's not what Hackman wanted to do. He's so
1: pissed though about that's what I'm saying. He was so mad. He was that that definitely uh, uh, skewed his uh, reasoning skills. There, there's a pissed about that. I don't know what it is. But the way
2: that Denzel Washington says, here's the boat, float the buoy, float the buoy. Like the way he says buoy, like <laughs> fucking like, it just, I get like a weird like feeling. I don't know what to, what, what, what to call it. Like when he just, he just, sat, just rolls off his tongue and I'm just all like, ooh, like you said that really weird. Like, that was weird. <laughs> it,
1: th- float the it- buoy. I assume that they had to have, like, worked together for a while to kind of build the rapport of being able to repeat their commands back and forth like that. Like, that doesn't come naturally. You have to kind of work up towards that. And I wonder if that's just not how, like, sailors end up talking. They have kind of, I don't know, almost jingoey ways of, of saying some of their commands and whatnot.
2: I thought, like, okay. I very well float the buoy. were
1: the boat, float like, the buoy. Hi, right, sir, float an, the buoy. As somebody who's umpired before, I definitely have like ways that I call balls and strikes and outs that are different from other people. How
2: do you call a strike?
1: I'm not going to yell in you like right now. Damn it, I wanted uh, to hear you fucking... Uh, but uh, I, I don't do like a ah! No, it's, it's just a quick strike. That's it. It's just a no! out. I, I'm not doing the, the <laughs> kind of thing. We're not doing like crazy like power ranger moves. Just a simple outfall. <laughs> out you know what I mean? But like, refs definitely I, do have different ways of doing that, so I imagine it's the same for military officers that they ball. You know, have their own cadence. Strike. Just saying. Just I'd saying. always tell people before games what my calls sounded like so that there wouldn't be any confusion. I mean,
2: I, I think that's a, the that's a thing you do with the coaches, right? Like This is the, how the call's going to sound. This is how you know what, 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 what it is I'm calling and what it is I'm looking yeah. for.
1: This is but, what my foul signal looks like. This is what a ball looks like. Yeah, that kind of thing. It, it's it,
2: again. I think that that's one of the things that I think Tony Scott does really well because um, there there was a criticism with Top Gun about how unrealistic unrealistic some of this stuff was because like yeah, the whole thing is. with 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 dog fighting, like especially modern dog fighting, especially like post sixties, it's it's these jets are super fast and like with radar and tracking and heat-seeking, you're not actually fighting two feet from the other goddamn person.
1: You, you can't get <laughs> fucking canopy to canopy to take a photo. Not gonna happen.
2: Well, no, that... Okay, if you want to be a showboat asshole, sure. But
1: whenever they're
2: in Top Gun and you have, like, the, the lead aircraft is the enemy, and then you have Iceman here, and then you have fucking... They are three... They are doing fucking goddamn uh, air-show flying. Like, this is not actual combat. You're not firing a machine gun from
1: three feet away. <laughs> like, You're not firing a machine gun at all. You're firing a missile from three miles out before the other planes ever even seen you because you have a plane that costs $7 billion and they have a relic that's been left over from the Cold War. Like, that's what dogfighting is now. No.
2: The MiG-28 is, is faster and more maneuverable than the F-14 Tomcats, apparently, okay? Like, that was what recent okay. intelligence.
1: But I know for a fucking fact they're not faster and more maneuverable than the F-22, so... That's today.
2: We're talking about in
1: the 80s. I know. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> dogfighting isn't interesting anymore. Submarine fights aren't interesting anymore. They, they aren't... But they have them like, because they don't, they're not real. That's the whole thing. A real submarine
2: right. conf- conflict would just be like, oh, shit, everybody shut up. And then, like, they just float
1: on by and they move. I mean, there are plenty <laughs> of really good submarine movies that don't require there to be an actual sub-to-sub fight. Uh, it's done a ton of them. Stuff the sub fight feels like it's a cool thing, but it's just not going to happen. You ever fire a torpedo? It, they just go straight. Like, wh- you fire where you think they're going to be in two minutes, while they're watching you fire things at. Pretty hard to fucking hit a target like that. Have you ever tried? Easy. It, it's a,
2: it's a it's a thing where I'm. In, that's what makes it uh, the Top Gun sequel such an interesting prospect for me. Because I feel like we have clearly gotten to a point where. That's that can't fly anymore unless they're going to go back to the super unrealistic dogfighting again and then it's like that's weird you know
1: what they should do is just do a shot for shot remake of behind enemy lines You're like this is the new Top Gun we're taking it real big I
2: mean it would definitely help improve the, the terrible F-18 CGI they used during the surface to air missile scene because it looks actually really bad and then they have that weird editing thing and it happens a couple of times in the movie. So now we're going to be talking about behind enemy lines randomly. Uh, sorry, another Gene Hackman, brilliant fucking performance. That's why. <laughs> That's the connection here.
1: So, do, do you think Denzel could have played the Owen Wilson role? I think so. I think so. I Not think that I don't think Owen he would have been. He would have been more.
2: He, he would have been more. Um, it would have been more dramatic. Right. Because, like, Owen Wilson comes out, like, his, his performance works because it's like he's, he's clueless and he's dumb and he's like, I want to get out. Like
1: it's right. Ir- he's a jokester dropped into a terrible circumstance and then realizes, it goes, fuck.
2: And he realizes, I could be better. I can do better. I can be more. Yeah. And it's, good- it's why I think, and again, we're going to be jumping around. That's why I think Edge of Tomorrow does a really great job having Tom Cruise be that cocky dickhead at the beginning and then he oh, it's, it's the same still- thing it's the same thing where he has that change where he's no longer like but i'm the media guy <laughs> right like it's like it's oh it's a shit. very
1: literal interpretation of the hero's journey the hero doesn't just return to where they once were but literally returns to where they were. <laughs> like literally <laughs> having changed day. for the better like holy shit taking that to an extreme like you took that literally. You took that way more literally than we thought.
2: <laughs> uh, no, but see, so yeah, in, in *Behind Enemy Lines*, like that's what Owen Wilson like. He's a, he's a, yeah, he wants out. He's like kind of you know full of shit or whatever. But like it works, and but it does this weird editing thing. Like I don't know how recently you've seen it. It's been a while. So it happens in multiple scenes of the movie. The first time it happens is the plane scene. So it's like right before the the service to air missile hits the plane. It does this. <sighs> And time stops. And then, like, change it, like, and then another angle, another angle, time stop, And it makes that kind of noise, too, where it just stops. And then it's like someone goes and play. Like, someone paused it, the VCR hit play, and then, like, the action continues, and then shit falls apart. The plane gets exploded and falls apart, and that's where the initial crash happens. But it happens, like, a few times in the movie, and it's the weirdest editing choice because, like, I don't understand why it's happening. Like, I
1: just don't get it. Like, what was the point? Po- some really frenetic cutting. I'm, I'm watching a scene on YouTube right now. Is, is it the, the uh, F 18 fight?
0: Or yes. F 18 crash? Yes, it's the missile chase scene. Um... Is this a uh, Top Gun or behind enemy lines? Behind enemy lines. Oh, uh, okay.
1: I think that one was one of the first war movies I saw where there was such a horrible atrocity that actually took me aback and kind of makes you go, oh, maybe this war stuff isn't good. Well, yeah, and I also like the fact that,
2: um, again, I wish it wasn't like as action-packed in the, in the finale because I feel like that could have been good because like, the entire um, end of it is they're just looking for a hard drive with pictures of what they saw like and that could have ended in a much different way but it had to end in a much more, you know. Here's Gene Hackman piloting a helicopter as it fires a gatling gun at the Russians,
1: <laughs> like or, or whatever okay. the fuck they were. I do remember really loving when they dropped the fuel tanks and they just kind of bounced around on like a, a mini set, but it's very obviously a miniature set. Right. And you it, can see it was a good use of not, miniature. Not bouncing, right? It's good, but like you could tell it's miniature when it pops in. Like the the I don't know the vastitude of the, of the <laughs> weightiness of things. It just—it's
2: just funny whenever um, the explosions look like just a regular cheap plug-in, like a cheap plug-in explosion. By the way, thought that video link—it's at four at four minutes in that the thing that I'm talking about, where it zooms in Owen Wilson's eyes and stops, goes in the other guy, turns, stops the altimeter, stops like. <laughs> And then, like it comes back, the music swells up. The Sam hits the thing. The the fuel ignites, and the plane then it cut, explodes in half. And you're just like, "What was the point of that editing choice?" Like, and it does it a few
0: times in the movie. And I'm like, "This is the director doing it completely intentionally." And I just don't understand. It he does like a, a record scratch, that's what I'm saying. Format. Do you see what I'm saying? That editing choice.
1: Yep, that's me. You're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> yeah, that's
3: so weird.
1: That's very abrupt. Like, I forgot all about that. It, oh no, it's obviously a choice. Uh, it is a choice. Like,
3: are they are they trying to say like this exact moment
2: is like, and this is where he knew be he like fucked a, up.
1: I think it's meant to be like a like a time freezes and you just see that you can't do anything about it kind of deal, but like. Doesn't play well. It doesn't really play. to me does not. Very odd. Like it's the record scratch it gets me. If you just frozen, maybe had like a heartbeat track or something under it. Cool. Right. If you had if you had if you had zoomed
2: it on his face and then like cut it out, and then like you heard like breathing, like and then the heartbeat, ooh-ooh, ooh-ooh. And then like it cuts to, it cuts to yeah. again the pilot turning around slowly. And then like then the Sam. And then you speed it back up. Maybe it would be like, oh shit, a little, a little like on the nose, but definitely not record scratch sound. And then like kick it up. The
1: with show the just music. evolved us making sound effects and going. This is what should have been.
2: Should
3: have been boom boom.
2: Well, they they went zip instead of zap, and that's a problem to me. <laughs> like, and here's here's how we correct that.
1: You gotta go see zap well, you have You're gonna have a bad
2: time. <laughs> You're gonna have a terrible time. Uh, but speaking of, uh, like some of those things in the sounds, I think that the sound of the metal plate when they're trying to fix the flood hitting that guy in the face. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that was a, um, that was a bit gruesome, if I do say so myself. But yeah, no. Yeah. But Steve, Steve, Steve Zahn being the one that gets hit in the face, though, is a a real um like, hey, they clearly had no idea you were going to be
1: an actor <laughs> like at any no. point. <laughs> Again, Philippe just, I think all he did was like have a fish tank. I think that's his whole like character arc. Ryan is Philippe had a fish tank that he looked at. In one scene, he has a fish tank, and in another scene, he covers the fish tank as they're going to war. That's Ryan Philippe's
0: whole arc. <laughs> yes. I, so, yes. Okay. Yes. That is <laughs> that is literally literally it. And Seems I don't fun. I don't know I don't know if I didn't
2: recognize him, but maybe it's because like it was the
0: accent. But Daniel von Bargen was uh Prachenko? Really? Yeah. And they do. I think they might have made him up, but I
1: I was I was like, "There's no way that's." I fucking... feel like I was supposed to know who was playing him, but I did not. Uh, not right, I, I didn't picture fucking Grady. Like
2: I no, usually, not I really saw Super Troopers, and I was like, "That's not Chief Grady." I'm like, "I guess it is." What
1: the fuck? That's so weird. So we we'll get stills from that. now I no, I did not catch that at all. Yeah,
2: yeah neither did I. Neither did I. But again, it's it's filled with so many stars that you like. You're just like, holy crap! Like I don't know how they got
0: uh, uh got away with it. I guess because it was ninety five, right? They just threw random people in there. He is a Radchenko. That's terrifying. A real person. Ukraine. I think so. Of the of those people that got out,
2: right? Or we're in that movie. Denzel obviously took off.
0: Denzel got really did okay
2: good. Viggo Mortensen definitely did really well. Did okay. James Gandolfini definitely did, did okay. Really well.
0: Steve Zahn did okay. Steve Zahn exists. Like he. I mean. Danny Nucci at least went on
2: to, you know, play Fabrizio in Titanic, you know, so he's Fabrizio. He is
1: Fabrizio.
2: (laughs) He wants to complain about Silver Server, but he turned into Fabrizio. or He's an Italian, you know, uh, stereotype.
1: Same thing. I'm going to America. (laughs) Uh, Matt
0: Craven had a bit of a career. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Let's see who who else was in this cast. Scott Grimes was in this? Scott Grimes. Okay, so it's so him. I don't know, it just says that he's in it. Hmm. As petty officer uh something.
2: It didn't tell me the full title of what his character was.
1: TV's Ricky Shorter.
0: Yeah, but no one cares about Ricky Schroeder anymore. No, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Uh, but yeah. Oh, uh, uh Mark Christopher Lawrence is really big. I yeah. I just I understand like that.
2: Uh, it's it's clear to me that Seth MacFarlane really likes Scott Grimes. Like, I don't know if he was a big Critters fan or something. But like, hey, here here be the voice of uh my son Steve in my in the show American Dad. Right. And then it's like, Hey, I'm going to do a Star Trek, uh, but with, you know, comedy, you want to join my Star Trek, but with comedy. And he
0: was like, yeah. And it's like, good for you, Scott Grimes, you, you get that paper. Good for you. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really crazy that, uh, you just have these people. What did what did, what did some of these people ever end up doing? Like I want I'm kind of curious about. Um. Like I recognize his face, but I don't know any movies that like. Uh, Rocky
2: Carroll. Like, was he? He's an NCIS, isn't he? Yes. Like that's why I rec- Yes, that he's Leon Vance. Yes. That that's why I recognize his fucking face so much. Because he's on NCIS as, like, the director. For, like, the fucking seasons after seasons.
1: Yeah, referring role for season five, then main on six onward, and then also NCIS, Los Angeles, and New Orleans. I mean, because
2: you gotta have the director making director decisions for directing, directing, directing. Yeah. But that makes a lot of sense. So, like, James Gandolfini gets Sopranos, he got fucking NCIS, like uh scott grimes got got american dad like there's a lot of people who got you know pretty good careers after this like that's good for them like you hate to see like a big movie end up being like some of their only things that they do
1: ryan felipe did this and then two years later doesn't know what you did last summer and two years after that
0: is in full intentions like and then just kind of not much Fresh, I guess, being the only thing, really. Lincoln like, Lawyer, I don't remember that. Like, part of me really, uh, like,
2: I mean, doesn't mind whenever, like, someone gets out of acting because they want to get out of acting. Like, I think that's why, Uh, part of the reason why I wanted to review Gene Hackman movies was, like, that picture came out and he's like, he's been retired for 17 years. He just wanted everyone to know that he's still doing well. And I'm like, I want to appreciate Gene Hackman as an actor because he has, like, a body of work that in, uh, encompasses decades. It's something that like each decade has something different to bring to the table. Like the French connection is like this, this gritty, like literally we're not shooting with permits. Go fuck yourself. Kind of like underground, like auteur, I'm a tour I'm the director. I'll do what I want. Kind of shooting. And then you have like <laughs> hack man is Lex Luthor and he is hamming it up. Like he doesn't give a
1: shit. That's what seems interesting, I guess.
2: And then the 90s, it was like, we're going we're to put you in some military stuff. I think you'll do good there. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, this, this, this does it for me. This does it for me. And Then, of course, uh, the other movie I want to talk about is Enemy of the State. I don't know if we want to talk about that uh, next week. I think that's a, an
1: extremely relevant film. Like- yeah, I've only ever seen that one once and I was a child.
3: So so I I know I've seen parts of it, but I've never like actually sat down and watched it
2: it's It's another movie where you're like, here is an actor who you have the pedigree and the reputation of Gene Hackman coming in to uh and Wilson's not necessarily an up and coming actor, but like he definitely hadn't done more Can serious roles well. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to get Denzel for it, but like, it's one of those movies that you you can see him, uh, with someone who probably hasn't done the same level of dramatic acting. Because Will Smith was, you know, Big Willie, you know, like ha ha, kid rap, you know, like oh, word to your mother kind of thing, whatever. Like parents just don't understand.
1: Word to your mother. That's the exact quote.
2: Well, what, 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 what do, uh, parents just don't understand? Yeah. It is. Uh, and then his Fresh Prince, and like there's like some serious episodes in there, but overall it's very over the top, slapstick sitcom.
1: Right. Well, in the States 98, and right. you, you have Men in Black 96, Men in Black. and then, or no, uh, Independence Day 96, Men in Black 97. So, you know, not exactly any major like dramatic roles to this point. Like just the episodes of Fresh Prince that you mentioned, which are admittedly very heavy, he delivers them very well. Yeah, he
2: does. But you you have a a Will Smith who basically does like a science fiction slash comedy, and then you have uh, Independence Day, science fiction slash you know disaster movie. But even so, his parts are fairly comedic, like the things with him. Like and, and again, it's a fair criticism to say like when you ever like you, whenever they're in the briefing room in Independence Day, whenever um they're like you got anything to add, Captain Hiller? Like no, I'm just w- going. I can't wait to get up there and kick ET's ass. And it's like Los Angeles just got destroyed. You don't know if you're if the person that you've been with, if your partner is dead or not. Like there is no. Haha, let me get quippy with you.
1: Ha ha. Ha ha. Or crap!
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Fairy lives don't matter. Okay, Wilson. We yes, thank you, thank you, Wilson.
1: Somebody wrote. Somebody wrote that was like,
2: "Damn." That that was probably David Ayer. That was probably, probably David Ayer.
1: Was. <laughs> Guys,
2: I got the perfect, We're the perfect quippy quippy line. And if we have a black guy say it, it'll be
1: great. I hate to get off on our 47th tangent but just look at the movies Will Smith did then. It was Bad Boys 95 Independence Day 96, Men in Black 97 Enemy of the State 98 and Wild Wild West 99. He threw it all could've away. Could have been, been the it Matrix. Could have been the Matrix. Wild West instead.
2: Like It's such an like, there, that's a Ooh. run that you don't get a lot of. No. Like, of, like boom that's major incredible. hit. Boom major hit. Boom, major hit. What the fuck is Wild Wild West? <laughs> well, like... Then he does Wild <laughs> Wild West
1: 2000, The Legend of Pagger Vance 2000, and then Ali 2001. So you're like, wait, I thought you were bad at this. What the fuck are you doing? Pick, pick a lane, Will. Pick a lane. It, well, I mean, it is okay, so... Either be bad in bad movies or be good in good movies. Post, you can't be
2: both. Post-95, I will say this. With the prevalence of home video with the prevalence of like things like the DVD coming out, uh, there wasn't the same kind of, ah, I did, I, I do bad movies for the money. Let me sweep it under the rug happening. Cause like, uh, I was having a talk with, uh, a member of, uh, my Final Fantasy FC, Who whom I wish to bring on this show to talk because this person also has a great wealth of knowledge when it comes to movie, very opinionated. And like I I appreciate the conversation that they bring uh to the table. Um but they were bringing it to me. They were kind of like the thing with people like Nick Cage is um, a Nick Cage movie comes out, you don't know if it's gonna be good or completely shit. And I was like, I think no indication, but I was like, I think that's always been the case with almost every actor that's like a major actor that people try to get in. But it's just that now with the internet and easy, more easy access to every film possible, we get to see that shit instead of it being like a straight to China, like in it, um, straight to a foreign market rental place. Like now we get to see it too. Like we get to see those, those Bruce Willis movies that he's there for like two days max and then gets the fuck out like the Steven Seagal movies, the Nick Cage movies, where it's just like you take a paycheck to do some um, rapture movie because some Christians paid you a lot of money uh, to the, do some the propaganda. Reboot
1: of Left Behind, the reboot. <laughs> we brought it back. Like we didn't need a reboot of this movie. We can do an entire podcast episode just on Left Behind series. Elle and I both read those coming up because we're from the south. Uh, yeah. You read shit just because it's like, okay, well, this is interesting. It's, it's like a dystopian future kind of thing. But, okay, my parents don't hate that I'm reading it. Nice. And then you realize that people take it seriously. And you're like, like, oh, no. Like, they wrote these things as fiction. There are people that believe this is going to happen verbatim. Like, you guys are real dumb.
0: <laughs> really dumb.
1: Uh, but, yeah, that's kind of
2: that's the interesting uh, thing that we get to see it now. Because I was talking, yeah. talking to them about Pig. I was like, Pig is really good. Like, it is a...
1: Is it? It, it's amazing. See, it, you have no idea. Just by looking at it, I'm like, that could either be the best movie ever or the absolute worst thing that's ever existed. And it's hard to tell, because it's a... No way to know. Because one, it's no a Nick
2: Cage know. movie. And then, like, two, it's a low-budget indie movie. But, like, overall, it is a great movie. Pig is Pig is one of those movies that, like... You see the commercial and you think, "Oh my god, is this just going to be John Wick with a pig?" And you're just like, "Oh no, where's my pig?" Like that's kind of how it plays out in uh, the commercial, but like you actually watch like watch that movie and you're just like, "Oh, this is a dramatic um movie about dealing with loss and and how we deal with the trauma of of uh, the trauma of loss." like dealing with loss and the trauma of loss and like how we respond as people, how we respond to the people outwardly, inwardly. Like it's such a great movie and it goes on this journey and like, it doesn't like, I don't know. It's just, it's just a great movie that you had to sit all the way through. Cause like, it's one of those makes you feel things kind of movie. Like it's not a, uh, again, like this movie makes you feel things, but it makes you feel like current of time makes you feel things in a, in a dramatic way this makes you feel things in like a raw like th- but again it is a movie about a pig it is but i think as so any Dave, I was like, so. as any pet owner will know like you can sit there and be like oh just a movie about a dog but like be a dog owner for like most of your life like there isn't just about a dog there isn't there isn't that like there is, there, there there's a there's a vis- visceral connection i think you get that with um with Nick Cage and this pig, you get that there's a, this connection, that sort of bond that is taken. And again, it's, it's one of those things where you have to take it completely serious. You don't sit there and be like, <laughs> look at him be
1: with the pig. <laughs>
2: no, no, no. Like he, that's his pet. That's his, that's his friend. That's, there's a loyal bond there. And like you see that in a trailer after seeing things like Willy's wonderland and you're like,
1: I don't know if this movie's gonna be shit or not. I have no fucking clue. <laughs> like it could be I'm still be. not sure if Willy's Wonderland was a good movie. Like, I haven't haven't figured it out yet.
2: <laughs> to me, I think I loved it, but I loved it for the for the reason because it was just
1: wild. Like clearly he read the script it was wild. I don't know if it would have any kind of rewatchability, <laughs> but that first watch was pretty entertaining. It's like, it's a it's a good watch with
2: friends. Like you could tell yeah. that he read the script and had a lot of fun with it. Like you could tell you I fun. I really,
1: I really miss that, too. Like, being in a room with several people you actually like and get along with watching a shit movie and just laughing your ass off about it. Like, I like doing it online with you guys, for sure. But, like, I miss that to a degree. I didn't realize I would miss stuff like that. It's really nice. It's really in nice. year and a half into a pandemic.
2: And, and and that's when Willie's Wonderland comes out. The perfect movie to sit here and be like, what the fuck is happening on this what screen? What the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> he he hasn't said a single goddamn word this entire movie.
1: <laughs> Again, it reminds me of rubber. Like I remember watching Rubber in undergrad, just like glazed out of my mind. And
2: the killer tire makes, movie?
1: Just, yeah, it's ridiculous. But if you watch it with somebody who also appreciates the same amount of ridiculousness, you just sit there and giggle for two hours. Like it's 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 incredible how experiences can be different based off the people, even though the movie may be there. Yeah, like, and again,
2: that's what that's what adds to it, because like, then because then the question can sometimes be: Was the movie
1: good, or was the experience we had during the movie good? I think that's the whole Marvel debate. I think that's why they're moving towards either forms of doing stuff. I think the the Marvel movie thing is was already kind of you know hitting kind of its lifespan, maybe, but like. People often go to those movies just because they feel like they have to. Like, oh well, I've seen the others and I don't want to miss stuff and not know what's going on, so we'll go see this one. Which
2: which again, which was my entire point of um with them having these shows which completely shift dynamics and completely like they shift the status quo into showing that like they they kind of teased at the end of endgame of that he would become Captain America, but now you realize like here's here's the transitionary period, so now it, Okay. He is Captain America. And then you showed an end game Loki disappearing and now you show the consequences of all that. And you had, again, uh, um, Vision die. And so you have the consequences of that happening. And then now you're going to have the what if series, which they said that everything there is technically Canon because it's all part of a universe. Thanks to the multiverse, which is like, sure.
1: But, so a nice reason to be able to do some weird shit from comics and not have to justify it. Cool.
2: Right. And that's why I'm thinking like, so like you're right where they the, 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 status quo and thought process might be changing where you can watch things. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, you need to watch all of it to get there. It can be like a fresh start. Cause this is not the same character.
0: But you have, yeah, enough, people on, you have enough
1: of a basis people on Twitter, not understanding either. Like, what is this? How does this fit in? Like. It's just a what if. Like this is not an unusual concept in comic books. If you have like any kind of canon to pull from, oftentimes you do what if comics, and they're really cool. I love what if comics. Uh, the what if Star Wars favorites. I mean, DC has a different
2: take on it, it was called Else Worlds, which is the same thing, where it's like, We're gonna tell an independent story using these characters, unrelated to anything else. Yeah, cool. Cool. Like we just wanna tell this story. Like, we we have a story that we would like to tell, and we're going to tell it. And, like, that's why I think people people seem to forget that, like, a lot of movies are just movies. Not everything is a fucking connected franchise. Like, it's okay if a thing doesn't become a franchise either. You can have a standalone movie. I told the story I wanted to tell. In, out, wham, bam. I'm, thank you. Like... Crimson Tide is a perfect choice. Like, they could have been like, oh, we need more submarine movies or whatever the fuck, whatever nonsense bullshit they could have like uh, come up with. <laughs> like, oh, we need we need Crimson Tide 2. Now this time, he's the, he's the captain. And it's like...
1: <laughs> and now we see what happens. What, Tom Holland's the XO. <laughs> because that's just who you put if you need a young appearing person. No. no it would we should be... do Crimson Tide 2, but it's all women. No, it's cri- Oh, my God. It's the
2: all women sub, <laughs> and the and, and we're gonna have we're gonna have um it be all improv. We're gonna have seventeen hundred takes for every scene. Say whatever you want, and then we'll find the best cut of that. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully it'll make sense at the end of it, and not be. And if, if people don't think it is, they're sexist.
1: Right. That that is how it works.
2: Like they are they are just sex. They don't get it. They hate women. And it's like, or the movie wasn't good because the movies it's can the just movie, be not really good. Weird. Like some of, you know, what's weird. And I find it very strange again, tangent number 72. Like if they made a Crimson Tide with all women, I would be so like, okay, but that doesn't make sense. And they then you get that criticism, the backlash of like, ah, oh, you just hate women. Like, no, like, you know, you know what one of my favorite movies is like every time I see like an all female led movie, I'm like, they, they've been doing that forever. Like does anyone does no one remember the first Wives club? Does no one remember that classic? Like that's one <laughs> of my favorite fucking movies. It's so funny, and it's these it's, again just a woman led movie about like you know like them forming this club. Oh, it's just such a good movie. But I'm like they do that show chill- like what do you like? I always hate the fact that everyone goes back to um to aliens. Or Alien and aliens as the like oh you what do you mean female action stars I'm like there's only been it's only been uh uh aliens and terminator like you can't you, you can't go back and be like oh we had we had it two times already guys we're done we don't need it anymore
0: like, you
1: just Speaking gotta make a me, good movie I'm really interested in the upcoming Netflix movie Kate it stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead
0: Kate Kate. Like oh, I heard
1: cakes.
2: Kate. I heard I cake, cake. cake, and I was like...
3: Yeah. I would enjoy cake. cake. I like, no, heard cake. I
2: am like, ooh, I want cake. I was like, how fat am I that you said Kate? And I was like, oh, did you say Kate? Is it, is it red velvet?
1: <laughs> I heard Kate. <laughs> like, what kind, of, what kind uh, of... But yeah, I'm interested in that. It, it, I like her as an action star. We were talking about Sky High the other day. Do you remember Sky High? I never watched it. Oh, man. You should. Like... I think you should. I should go back and watch it. I
0: remember it being a really interesting take on superhero stuff back before they started being super ubiquitous. But yeah, I uh, I, I think that we have gone like way into seventeen thousand tangents,
2: but that's our way. Uh, it is our way. But Crimson Tide, yeah. really good movie. Let's hope for uh, they don't decide to do an all female remake
1: because. <laughs> Like if they do Sigourney Weaver in the Hackman role, Regina King in the Denzel role, and then randomly
2: you have like Susan Sarandon be uh, chief of the boat.
1: Yeah, sure. I like it. I'm down for it. Uh,
2: and then you have Melissa McCarthy like falling down somewhere.
1: Yeah, she, she's the the chef, the, the the one that dies at the start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no! I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> Well, I mean, Gene Hagen says, like, you think I killed that man? No, it was just 300 pounds. Like, could you imagine, like, that's how (laughs) Sigourney Weaver delivers that line? You think I killed? You think I killed her? No? That was her 300 pounds that killed her? (laughs) It would be like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, That reminds me of a a brand new uh, comedy special by Phil Wang uh, dropped on Netflix called Philly Philly Wang Wang, and he was saying that... um, Decent is only a compliment for a guy. Like, oh, he, he's a decent guy. Yeah, he's a decent guy. But if you said that about a girl, it comes off really weird. Ah, oh, she was decent. And it's like, <laughs> well, what do you mean by that? That's, that's <laughs> how I hope people talk about me. <laughs> ah, they were decent. I'm like, uh, uh. It's like, yeah, I know. Uh, John was a decent guy. Uh, I wish I could have had a drink with him. It sounds like he seems like a real decent. That sounds good. He's a decent guy. She was a decent girl. Did she not put any effort? Like I don't I don't understand why. <laughs> why is she just decent? Just <laughs> decent. But yeah, that's what I was like, uh, could you imagine anyone saying uh anyone anything about anyone's weight like that?
1: Yeah, you to write that.
2: Because again, it was it was again another moment uh, when they were getting on the bus. Like, you think you'll fit on the sub? I thought that was kind of funny too. Like, and then he only gets like do 3 three push-ups. I'm like, maybe he shouldn't be getting on the boat.
1: Like, he's not fit to, to be, be fair. I've been on a sub and they are very small. They are very cramped. USS Drum Dynamobile. Very tiny. I would bash my head on every single doorway. Every one of them would not be good.
2: Anyway, Crimson Tide, uh pr- really good war movie. Uh it's one, another one of those that complements uh, movies such as war games uh, that deal with the nuclear threat and does so in a like taking that threat seriously. Like, it's not just a.
1: It's a movie that leaves you thinking about what you just watched. It's not like Top Gun where it's like, oh, man, that was a cool thing. You actually leave thinking, shit, what do you do in that scenario? Who is right? How do you navigate that? It's It's. Well, the the
2: stakes in Top Gun are definitely different because, like, the reason why they're out there again in the climax is they're aiding and protecting a rescue and they're trying to stop the Russians from getting within 100 miles because that's when they can fire a missile to to take them out or take that ship rescue out. And it's kind of like, okay, so the, the stakes are only, like, stopping a rescue where this is like nuclear holocaust, you know? And that's what, that was, that's also the thing with war games. It's that threat. Uh, also the sum of all fears. Like that's the thing where a nuke goes off. Like that's, that's, that's the thing about the sum of all fears I think is like, uh, that stands out is that a nuke actually detonates in mm-hmm.
1: a fucking stadium, in the Baltimore Ravens stadium for some reason. <laughs> I just, I do love how often we see AFC North teams name cincinnati get their fucking stadiums blown up and it, it just, just
2: it just happens mm, mm. <laughs> so ah, the so, baltimore ravens shit gets blown up and then it's like so the tension then becomes who fired this who set this off was it the russians was it uh or was it someone else and so look, it looked like the russians just right like and, that, and that's what the tension of the, the climax is is jack ryan trying to figure out or, or trying to find out exactly who did it and trying to prove that it wasn't the Russians, and trying to stop uh, uh, two uninvolved parties from like again because uh, w- the Americans were going to fire first, which would then cause the Russians to retaliate, and so like to stop that from all happening—that's the whole tension of the movie. That a nuke already went off, but now it's to stop more nukes. It's like oh, okay, but the, the tension of the Holocaust is still there. Like I don't know the the I think the way that. Uh, some movies deal with uh the threat and the use of nuclear weapons is definitely more nuanced and
0: more tension driven yeah. than others. Correct. And I think Crimson Tide falls into the ladder of
2: good good movies that do that. Like and, and handles it very, very well. With has brilliant acting, amazing actors who
1: would you agree top three submarine
2: things? Uh, I mean, it, it's like you have Hunt for Red October, you have Crimson Tide, and then you have War Games with Kelsey Grammer. <laughs>
1: okay, those are the. Big <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not not U five seven one. No, U five seven the Wooded Maker. Not Dust Boot. N- none of that. Nope. <laughs> Uh it's only because uh
2: John bon Jovi is in u five seven one, so I don't give I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna he
1: is seven I'm not
2: gonna give him the credit uh that he thinks that uh he deserves to be a brilliant musician and then also an actor like That's stay in really your lane movie. I mean, haven't seen in forever. I just wanted to like, mention Kelsey Grammer war games because like you 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 said oh it's like war games and I'm like Kelsey Grammer's war games like
1: yes, Kelsey Grammers
2: is that what is that what it's called though? I don't know. Uh, Kelsey Grammer sub movie.
0: Down periscope. Down periscope. It's I called down periscope. I can use down
2: periscope. There you go. That's that's the movie. That's one of the, this. What's Crimson? It's Crimson Tide, <laughs> Hunt for October, and Down periscope. Those are the movies that you you, you need to take into account for submarine right. movies.
1: Right, that, that's the big three. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> uh, but,
2: again, uh, we, we've gone on long enough for an episode. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I guess next week we can talk about Enemy of the State because it's very relevant to, you know, everything. And the yeah. fact that it came out in 98 is uh, yeah. should be huge considering the revelations that came in the years to come. I
1: remember well, seeing that in the theater and thinking, this is a little unrealistic.
2: Yeah, there's something about the NSA that just seems a little uh, unrealistic that you have that capability. Hmm. And then you're like, oh, oh, shit. All right. Well, uh, again, thanks, everybody. Uh, with me, as always, of course, Mort. Wait, this direction in, in the camera. This way. And then, of course, today, uh, an
0: unseen but not, at all, not voiceless figure fought is with us hey oh he he's gonna say something no all right all right he did it right,
2: thanks everybody <laughs> we'll catch you next week beautiful contribution uh, <laughs> uh be safe <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs>